Hello, I'm speaking to the Right Honourable the Lord um, Wallace of Saltaire, who is Liberal Democrat spokesman for the Cabinet Office in the House of Lords and Member of the Parliament Choir. Thank you very much for agreeing to um, speak to us, um, Lord Wallace, and you very kindly said I can call you William, if that's all right. Fine. Um, so I'd like to start by asking, um, what is your role in the House of Lords um, centenary commemorations of the armistice? Um, I've, I've been doing two things. One, um, a Conservative MP, Keith Simpson, and I jointly chair the Parliamentary Committee for Commemoration of World War One. And I have been, since the outset, a uh, member of the government's advisory board on the commemoration of World War One, which is a rather larger outfit. Yes, and what is the House of Lords doing to um, commemorate the armistice? This comes in the context of, of commemorating the whole of the First World War yeah. um, over a four-year period. And as you, you may know, uh, as it happened... The first event of commemoration that Parliament was involved in was a, another Parliament choir concert yes. um, in June, July 2014, where the Bundestag choir came over to join us from Berlin. Yes. And the president of the Bundestag gave, I thought, an, a really excellent speech. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been a range of events, but since it was actually fascinating and, of course, a deeply shocking experience for Parliament. A large number of members served in the armed forces. Yeah. Um, the sons of a number of members of both houses were killed in the war, so, was, so were clerks. They had uh, women messages for the first time. There's, uh, a whole host of things uh, took place, and there are monuments all over the Palace of Westminster yeah. uh, to those who died. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned the, um, the Bundestag um, choir. Um, did you, do you feel that um, the First World War um, commemoration should have something of a European flavour? That was a highly contested issue at uh, the background of a lot of what we did. Hmm. Um, and um, in the, on the, the government's advisory committee, the question of how far commemoration should be British or should be British with our allies yes. uh, was one that we've never entirely resolved. We did manage to involve the Germans from an, uh, an early stage. Um, because of the way the Parliament Choir got into it, I was what, the first British minister to go and talk to the German Foreign Office about this. Mm. And let me explain. Um, the Parliament Choir sang Britain's War Requiem in Coventry Cathedral mm. on the 70th anniversary of the bombing of Coventry. Mm. Um, very moving, wonderful piece of music. We had the German ambassador in the front row, mm. a number of, of Germans in the Deutsche Corps of London singing with us. And as we came out, we said, fine, good, can we go and sing this in Dresden in three years' time? Yes. Um, and... From that then followed a, a number of discussions, including, since I was in Berlin for something else, me going to talk to the head of the uh, cultural side of the Arts Vatican Amt. And um, the Germans were at first extremely nervous about the whole idea of cooperating with the British on mm. commemoration, uh, as well as the question of, of having a joint uh, concert. And at one stage we were going to have a joint concert in Hanover, uh, which would be part of the 300th anniversary of the Hanoverian succession and so on. Mm. And certainly no requiem sung under any uh, circumstances. 
Mm. And uh, after a lot of, of discussion and jiggling of dowries of the two parliaments, mm. we ended up uh, with this concert in London, and two years later, uh, the Parliament Choir went over and sang as part of the Christmas concert in, within the Bundestag. So that's, mm. that's how it evolved. Mm. And what, uh, what was the government then decided that the, f the first televised event uh, in the commemoration would be in the one cemetery in Belgium where British and German soldiers mm. are buried mm. together. Mm. Mm. And that was extremely well done and moving. Mm. We've done much less well in terms of commemorating either the role of the French and our other allies, the Belgians mm. not at all, mm. um, and the role of Commonwealth and Imperial troops. Yeah. Um, what was the nature of the Germans' reservations, would you say? They... Uh, um, commemoration of the two world wars for the Germans is a much more sensitive issue for very obvious reasons. Yeah. Their sense of history um, is that the, the two world wars were part of the uh, the questionable nature of German history, so they don't have this very important dimension of British identity, which is a commemoration of the two world wars. Mm. I mean, there's a sense in which, after all, November the 11th, every year, the ceremony at the Cenotaph and at lots of other war memorials around the country is the most important national identity uh, occasion for Britain. Yes. Part of the problem of Britain, because we commemorate it as Britain alone mm -hmm. um, on, on every occasion without recognising how much we were actually part of a a much broader conflict on all occasions. So for the Germans, the first question was, do we really want to be involved in this commemoration? Mm. Um, I have a lovely memory of coming out of the first conversation in the German foreign ministry, uh, which I'd gone to with someone from our own embassy. Um, and after 45 minutes, things had got a great deal easier. And the head of their cultural relations side said to me as he took me to the lift, you know, it would be so much easier to cooperate with the British on the commemoration of World War One than to cooperate with the Russians. Well, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> this is a lovely comment. <laughs> I can just uh, imagine but, that, yes. Uh, they, didn't, they had reservations about how we went about it. I think they are now extremely pleased by the way in which we have done it. Yes. As I say, we have done better to mark that the, the Germans suffered in the war than we have about recognising the French or Belgian or Italian or other contributions. Yes, quite. Um, so I, I presume there was also great sensitivity over the relationship between the First World War centenary commemorations, which have gone on since 2014, and in the middle of that, um, the Brexit referendum. Of, of course. I mean, these are all... These are very sensitive issues. I, uh, there was an early memorandum to the Prime Minister uh, during this, which, which said um, from one of those involved in the, in the discussions, and we have to ensure that the way in which we commemorate uh, World War I does not give further credence to the myth that European integration uh, came partly out of the two world wars. Yes. Now, that simply demonstrates that history is an area which we still fight over. Yes. And my, my own regret in all of this is that 
people like me have failed to ensure that in, in revisiting World War One, we don't recognize that it was a global and European conflict. Yeah. And this is not something in which the British Empire uh, fought and defeated the Germans in two world wars. I, I recall last summer up in Yorkshire going into a bookshop where the owner was arguing with a, 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 a customer about uh, some particular war dimension and mm. said, after all, we beat the Germans in both world wars. And I said as I walked in, well, the Americans helped us quite a lot. And he said, the Americans weren't involved in the First World War, were they? Goodness. Yeah. And you think, wow, no, that's all part of the myth yes. which has supported Brexit. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I was going to come on to um, the role that commemoration can play in reconciliation, which has been one of the questions governing our um, series at Oxford. Um, do you think, um, how do you think commemoration, post-war commemoration can help reconcile people as opposed to divide them? Well, I think... Involving the Germans has been an important part of that. Yeah. Uh, I regret that we haven't managed to involve the Austrians as it were enough because after, you know, one must not forget that um, it, it, this was a, a very major conflict which pulled in all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, but but with by having some joint events with. German participants, I think we have helped to remind people that this is not just victory and defeat. This was common suffering. Yes. And that's very worth And there have been a number of joint tours of school children yes. uh, meeting uh, in Belgium or in northern France. So that's extremely positive. And since a major uh, purpose of all this was to, to tell the younger generation about this cataclysmic event in yeah. British history. Yes, I'm, I'm not sure many school children now can say what caused the First World War or what, or what, what the fighting was about even. Um, I, I think as well, um, musical commemoration is um, particularly reconciliatory because um, in a sense the narrative stops and people join in with music where it goes beyond um, explanations, justifications, accusations, it's, it's part of a common language, I suppose. Uh, very much. No, I, the, what, one of the things I've noticed about the whole commemoration is how far local history societies and local communities uh, have engaged in all of this, partly yeah. to explain why it is you have all these um, uh, monuments around these different communities. In Salt Air, for example, the village in Yorkshire, uh, where I am uh, when I'm not involved in Parliament, um, the local history society uh, went through all the memorials they could find and researched the history of all the names on them. Yes. So I found uh, that we were presented in the house in which we now live with the history of the young man... Um, who lived in the house until 1915, where he served, uh, where he was killed. Yeah. Uh, and at an early stage, I think probably November uh, 2014, uh, they put up little plaques, temporary plaques, around the village. Oh, did they? Uh, marking all the places from which people had been killed. Yes. Well, I think um, 
doing things at a local level is very important and very meaningful, often more meaningful than the grand kind of state occasions. Yes, because it, it, it comes much closer to you. Yeah. So um, this might seem like a rather counterintuitive question because commemoration is largely about looking backwards. Um, but what do you see as the future of commemoration in the digital age? Um, I think it's important that we, we go on with it, uh, but we, we also need to be more honest about what we're doing. And I, I, I fought for many years a, 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 a losing battle about the structure of the November the 11th mm. event, mm. Uh, which is very British mm-hmm. and very white. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that, uh, we had all these imperial forces in the war, a large Chinese labor corps, a large South African labor corps. Mm. Um, some of that ought to be there. Yeah. And um, I've also argued uh, this sort of started um, when I was working at, from the outside with George Robertson in 1998, yes, a mm. long, long time back, by saying, why do we have a Polish contingent? Yeah. The Poles, totally forgotten now, were the largest group of non-British pilots mm-hmm. in the Battle of Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ought to have a Belgian contingent. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was in government, a conservative minister who was actually a defense minister making the standard remark about how the Belgians ever fight for anything mm-hmm. um, and being told by the officials uh, to whom he made the remark uh, that uh, the Belgians had just been involved in a joint airstrike, which was the airstrike that knocked out Gaddafi. And he was right. totally unaware that Belgian planes had been flying with the British. But oh, clearly, I was unaware that the Belgian remnants of the Belgian army had fought all the way through World War One. Yeah. That a lot of Belgian refugees were housed across Britain and that southern Britain was used as a sort of training base and reserve for what was left of the Belgian army. Now uh, the, the contemptuous attitude that so many British nationalists have of Belgium yes. might be changed by some recognition of what they actually did manage to do in both world wars. Again, yeah. there were a lot of Belgian pilots in the RAF in the Second World War. So how you commemorate yeah. uh, and the stories that you tell help to shape or reshape the national identity. Yes, absolutely. So just just to finish, um, the Parliament Choir is performing Gallipoli to the Somme. Um, I gather that you might not be a member of the choir in Oxford, but you will be at the London performance. Yep. Um, what do you think about that as a, as a, as a piece or an act of, of commemoration? Um, I think for those who come, um, it will be quite a moving experience. And it does compare in some ways with the war requiem, although the, the slightly different pieces of music. Mm. Um, the, the combination of poetry, uh, which was given at the time, and the, the wonderful final piece we sing, which is the, uh, the writing on the memorial at Gallipoli put there by Kemal Ataturk, mm. um, just... No, oh, and that's very reconciliatory, of course. Yes. Um, it, it gives you a sense of what people felt as they went through it. Um, the, the agonies of going out, 
uh, to the front mm. of not expecting to live through it. Um, and just brings that home to people. I should perhaps add, this is also real to me because my father, who was 42 years older than me, uh, was called up uh, on his 18th birthday in July 1917 mm. and went out to the front in March 1918. Mm. And I have just been researching what his battalion brigade and division were involved in for the final six months of the war. Mm. And although when he began to talk about it in his, his 80s, I didn't quite believe what he told me, yeah. because it just sounded all too horrifying. I do now believe him. It's interesting that he waited till his 80s to talk about it. Um, the, maybe there was something, something stopping him before then. No, not at all. Um, I should explain that at an early stage in all this process, I did a survey of current members of the House of Lords yeah. to ask what members of their family had been involved in in the First World War. And I did that partly because I, just, I had discovered that, of course, several current members of the House of Lords uh, have grandparents or great-uncles or whatever who were on the other side. Yes. Um, and uh, one in particular, uh, Christopher Tuckenhart, whose son is now a Conservative MP, uh, and whose father I did once meet, um, and Jörg Tugendhat had been a lieutenant in the Austrian army. Really, yeah. Uh, so there were, and there's Ruth Hennig, whose grandfather was in the Prussian army mm -hmm. at Tannenberg. Mm -hmm. uh, the Freuds, of course, were in the Austrian army. Mm. Um, so uh, we, we pieced together what people had been uh, doing and had a, a, a very nice little exhibition uh, in the Royal Gallery early on, mm. uh, which showed some of what people had. We had the, the picture of the the grandmother of a current member of the House of Lords mm. in her nursing uniform in Alexandra, mm. a picture of my father in his kilt, mm. uh, the Lance Corporal on his way out to the front, mm. etc. Just to give people a, a, a sense of what it was all about. Mm. Um, but... Um, an understanding also that the, in the population of Britain, um, there are uh, people whose parents were on the other side in the First World War would be a help. Can I just stress before you go, we have really, I think, failed on the imperial dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, Patricia Scotland, who is the current Secretary General of the Commonwealth, told me that um, she, when she was growing up, used to benefit enormously from the memory of her grandfather, who was in the West India Regiment mm. uh, and fought all the way through Egypt and Palestine up to Syria. Mm. Uh, we were no, several battalions of the West India Regiment who did that. The Indian Army, of course, uh, produced a very large number of, of units for the British effort, and there are many descendants of that Sikhs, Muslims, Hindus, uh, who are now in Britain. Yeah, yeah. We've failed to remind people of that. Yeah. Actually, in terms of explaining to people why we have so large a South Asian and Caribbean population, and that many of those who came to Britain were people who had already served in the British Armed Forces, 
we help current understandings of race relations. Yeah. Well, I fear it was ever thus, because I remember reading, I think that the first um, commemoration of the end of the war, which would have been in, I guess, 1919, it might have been 1920, um, they told the Indian contingent too late, and they were still at sea while it was going on. They didn't arrive in uh, in London um, in time. Um, so I think there's a long history of those um, voices being excluded. Academically, I think now the tide's turned and we are starting to recuperate those voices and um, find out about their lives, which are, which are usually We are doing much better academically, but yeah. I, if I would criticise the exercise I've been involved in, I think we have failed mm. to pay enough attention to the French yeah. Certainly, we paid no attention to the Belgians yeah. and our uh, uh, neglect of the Indian, um, Chinese, West yeah. Indian, West African contributions yeah. is very sad. Yeah. Um, with, after a great deal of negotiation, we did uh, have a small ceremony uh, at the statue for uh, Marshal Foch mm. uh, last, this April to mark the point at which the British Army came under unified French command mm-hmm. um, with uh, a guards band and so on, but it wasn't, didn't make much of it on television. Mm-hmm. And I thought, very disappointingly, I argued for uh, making a major event of the point at which the Americans came into the war and yeah. invite an American band over. The yeah. French did far better than we did on yeah. all of this. Um, the French had British troops marching down the Champs Elysees uh, in 2014. Yeah. And they had uh, invited President Trump, you may remember, last summer uh, to their July the 14th parade to mark the American contribution to World War One. We have preferred to do something which is quintessentially British or yes. English, if you prefer, yeah. um, rather than saying, well, we wouldn't have done this, this without the French or the Americans. Yeah. Well, um, that's a slightly low point on which to end, but I think it's a very important point. Um, and if we anything comes out of this series, I think it's um, the inclusion of, of as many voices as, as possible, as many representative voices as possible. Um, yes, but I, I think it's a fair opportunity. We could have done much more to, to emphasise yeah. the extent to which British history is embedded in the history of an awful lot of other countries. Lord Wallace, William, thank you very much. Pleasure.